Welcome to the Loss and Lifting Talk podcast. The show is created to help you find your confidence by breaking down the complicated science of training and nutrition and turning it into simple, but more importantly, practical solutions that you can implement right away to start creating real results inside your body composition. We don't stop there either. We dive into the mental aspect of fitness to not only build a better body, but a better life all around. Podcasts were the medium where I learned and grew as an individual more than any other place in my life. The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Jeremiah, how you doing, man? Good, bro. It has been a while once again. I think we missed last month entirely, didn't we? Um, we may have. Yeah, I haven't been producing a ton of content. Um the last little bit i don't think that we did last last month i think we did the last the last month before that though how have how have things been going for you man what's what's going on i know that you just got back from mexico how was that yeah dude mexico was great um it was a good time we went down there katie's uh brother and family they just asked us to go along it was a good time did my sound quality just change yeah but now it came back Fuck. i think you're good you're good <laughs> <laughs> I, do you ever look at your podcast reviews um yeah oh yeah all the time i always try to get people to, to review if you guys are listening to this right now we would greatly appreciate it if you would go down below if you're on jeremiah's or you're on mine and um leave the shows written ratings or written reviews as well as star ratings just because that is the one way that these continue to push out and reach more and more people whenever you guys go down and leave reviews um for some reason, the listen, the the downloads always go up. So we would we would appreciate that if you would do that. We never bring that up. But uh, sorry, go on with your go on with what <laughs> I, you're gonna say. I just had one the other day that was like, "Yo, I would give you five stars, but it sounds like you're at the bottom of a wishing well or something." <laughs> oh so really? Sorry. <laughs> <I'm trying. laughs> uh, no, but uh, anyways, yeah, Mexico was good, dude. It was it was a good time. Uh, we. We're there for a long time. We got there Tuesday. We got back like Sunday night. Uh, honestly, dude, missed our dog a lot. I don't know if this is how <laughs> how it is when you have kids, but I would like we'd be like at the restaurant at night or like sitting at a little bar and just like watching videos of our dog. Like, really weird thing, dude. Yeah, I, I love our dog so much, man. I did not ever think that I would like a dog this much. It's like it's a weird thing when you like have almost like raised them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know, I know you get it. Uh, I imagine that's probably how it is with kids too. Yeah. 100, 100%. Like you're always excited, like going on a vacation without them when Claire and I just get to go. It's, it's super fun and we're excited. But then as we're getting ready to leave or dropping off the dropping Charlie off, like the grandparents or whoever it's going to be, it's always this bittersweet moment where you feel super bad. And then you're halfway through the trip and you're like fiending just to be able to be around them and get, get back into your, your regular life with them, which is cool. That's funny that you do the same thing for a dog. I've never had that feeling for an animal. My wife does like we have Scooter, who is our dog. She absolutely loves Scooter and always talks about how she misses him when, she, when he's gone. And I'm like, oh, whatever. But when it comes to Charlie, I'm that way. That's funny that you're that way about animals too. Have you always been that way or just with, with this no, one? not at all. Like I've never like been that much. Like I've always liked dogs, but I've not got a Okay, we're good. I don't know. I To the listeners, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have no idea what's going on with my mic. <laughs> we're both having some technical difficulties here. Um, no, dude, definitely not, but she's just like literally the cutest dog itself so i don't know man 
it's it's definitely different but yeah i feel like with people's kids it's always like hey do you want to hold my kid out like uh, outside my nieces no not really yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah it's funny dude but no it was a good time man um it was good to kind of disconnect it still worked a bit while i was there but i was able to keep it to like a couple hours a day which i would say like that's the least i've done in, uh, like uh, years um i had this conversation i had this conversation with um with one of my mentor clients, Cade, shout out to Cade if you're listening to this, just the other day, we were talking about work-life balance and just like work and how much you should be working and whatnot. And kind of talked about like my last couple of years as loss and lifting has done really good. Like the amount of work that it's taken for me to be able to scale it up. Um, and then the, the conversation came up around you for some reason and how much you work. Uh, Kate's actually one of your clients now too. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. He's yeah, doing yeah. training nutrition with you. Yeah. And we, we just brought that up because I remember having conversation or I think I brought it up because like I talked like, yeah, oh, yeah. Like I work a lot, but then when I think about it and the conversations I've had with you, like you're putting in way, way more hours. I feel like, cause every time I talk to you, like, oh yeah, Katie, like Katie tries to get me to stop working by like eight or nine at night. I'm like, holy cow. Like what time are you starting in the morning? What is your, what does a typical uh, work day look like for you? Or maybe I've got that like misconstrued. Cause that's, yeah. that's just like how I kind of took it. Like how many hours are you working per day on average? I would say dude, like when there was a time period where I was like working like till like eight or nine every night, I was way less efficient and like way worse at getting shit done. Like now I have more clients than I ever have our business busier than it's ever been, but it isn't like, so definitely like, I don't, I also feel like, like for me to like, like a lot of my like value as a person comes from like feeling like I'm a very hard working person. So it like always would make me feel so good to be like, Oh yeah, I'm just fucking grinding right now. Like I'm mm-hmm. working to like, night at night when really it's like, Hey, I could get, so I would say like typically Mondays and Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm only going to like eight and the rest of the week I'm done by six. What time do you start? Eight. Eight. But I mean, within that too, like I lift during that time frame also. So I don't ever, I don't want one like anyone to like, I don't think I work more than you do. I know what your days are like and you're pretty fucking busy also. Yeah. I've, um, Honestly, though, I've scaled back a little bit. Like this is kind of what I've learned throughout to scale the business and to grow it. Like it takes a lot of grinding, right? It takes a lot of long days, but to just focus on maintaining what you've scaled takes probably half that time. That that makes sense. So, so as I was scaling and I honestly, I haven't been really focused on scaling at the moment. I've just been more focused on just maintaining the business where it's currently at and trying to get a really good understanding of where we want to scale to next. And I have a good understanding of that now. It's just going to come down to executing on it and like creating a game plan for it. But for, for probably one to two years there, as I was trying to scale and just build it and get a platform and, and build a voice online with social media and, and whatnot, I was working good 10 to 14, 15 hour days a lot of the time. Um, But now like where I'm just trying to maintain it. And again, I've got more clients than ever um, coaches working for us. Like the business is, is doing really well, but just to maintain where it's at, like I can easily work four to six hours per day and be able to put my focus more into other aspects of life. Um, that helps me rebuild my motivation to be able to go back in and put that time in because I was the same way. Like I would attach my worth to how much I was working and like 
the longer, the further and further I got into that, in my situation is a little bit different than yours too, because I have a, a child, obviously. But I started to realize that my, I was placing work at the top of the pyramid, like it was the mm. most important thing out of everything, because that's what was going to to supply my family, right? That's what was going to keep us afloat, keep us, put us in a really good position. But at the same time, if I'm always getting us to a better position, but that's at the sacrifice of the relationship with my wife and the relationship with my, my child and even the relationship with myself, then what's really the point of continuing just to push as hard as possible forever? And there are certain people that will get fulfillment out of that. Maybe that's you and like you feel good doing that. But I've, and I thought I was that person. Mm-hmm. But as I've gotten a little bit older and the business has gotten more successful and I've, I've tried to stop attaching my self-worth to how successful of a business that I run, I found that my just overall happiness has gotten a little bit better. And I, I'm not like so scared that, oh, I'm just going to lose the business if I don't put a ton of work into it every single day, if that makes sense. I don't know. That's kind of like jumbled up thoughts, but that's been going through my head a lot the last while because I've taken a little bit of a step back. I was a little bit burnt out. I was sabotaging relationships with um, my wife, with my daughter, not sabotaging, but just not giving it as much energy um, as I would like to, to feel better about myself if that makes sense. So like I said, those are jumbled up thoughts, but that's kind of been going through my brain a lot recently. And I know like there's always going to be different phases, right? There's phases where I'm going to be grinding hard and trying to build things to another level, or maybe even starting another business, whatever it may be. But then there's going to be phases where if I pull back, it helps me re rejuvenate refuel to be able to do that again without just like always being pedal to the metal. For sure. It's been interesting because it's been interesting to kind of see how like your mindset around it and I feel like we both like how we see things has changed quite a bit within this um I know like for me it a lot of what makes me happy is just like I have to always feel like I'm doing like accomplishing things I'm a very like goal-driven person but also like as if I forget that like if it's always like where I'm going to be in the future and like that's like okay when I achieve this thing I'm gonna be happy that's like the hardest thing for me is then it's like okay well I'm never actually happy in the moment and it's always gonna be like okay this thing which there's always the next thing and then it never really comes so it's definitely a hard thing to balance dude that's I would for sure that's still what I struggle with the most um but it is weird to see like yeah like this last week in Mexico I wasn't doing like the things to grow our business it was like hey i just want to maintain like with where our clients are at i need to do with like my client work social media and that's pretty much it and it is weird how like that it's like okay i can get that done in like two to three hours a day yeah versus like when there's all those things you need to do to grow which is so much more outside of that then it's like, that's where it becomes a full day yeah 100 percent. so yeah that's just been my observation as of late i've pulled back and put focus a little more focus into just being more intentional, like going to my daughter's dance, uh, dance classes and, and gymnastic classes as before saying, Oh no, I've got to work through this. I've got to do this or that. And yeah, I've just felt more at peace, which has been, which has been super nice. But I think you nailed it on the head where you said you're always going, you're always looking at your happiness in the future. I'm so guilty of that dude, just in terms of, um, like with business, if five years ago you were to say like you were going to be where you are today, I would have told myself then that I would be happy today, oh, yeah. right? And then when I'm sitting where I'm at today, like am I truly happy? No, I'm focused on what's coming up next as opposed to just being able to sit in it. And I, I go to a therapist now. Um, I started a few months back. Well, not a few months, 
almost two months back. Right. And um, we have that conversation a lot. And it's really helped me just put things into perspective. That's honestly where these thoughts are coming from is having those conversations with him and um, kind of just altering my perspective, which is interesting. Oh yeah. Just talking to somebody about it helps dude. That's a big part of why I like these conversations so much. Like talking with you and Tristan, it's always super helpful to just, I don't know, just kind of talk through it with someone that also understands it. Yeah, absolutely. What, um, how is Tristan? I haven't talked to Tristan for a while. How are things going for him? He's doing good, dude. Um, what I'm doing just programming for him. He's been getting jacked. I saw that. Uh, that's been fun. They just really get swole. So shout out to Tristan if you're listening to this. Uh, we should get him on and do a, a tripod. I texted him and said we should do that. And then I didn't follow through with it. So we need to actually, our next one, we should get him on here. That yeah, would that'd be, be fun. I don't think I've ever met him. Which is Tristan does. Say that again. I don't think I've ever met anyone else that has like that same energy that Tristan does. Me either. Me either. <laughs> I'm true. I'm really like jealous of that because that's like, I wish I could have like that level of energy, but I just don't. Just don't. Yeah. He, uh, whenever I, whenever I spent time around, just like at, when we would go to, to Seattle and, and do those beatups, like leaving every time he'd always have me so fired up, so jacked up, oh, yeah. just ready to go home and start crushing it again because of all of his, just getting into those deep night conversations with him was always, yeah. He just brings such a, a light and positive and strong perspective that he's a good energy to have around. Oh yeah, for sure. I'd say definitely like in our mentor, within that mentorship, like the conversations we would have like back at the Airbnb and whatnot were always my favorite part of it as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. It was always super fun. Super fun, man. Cool, dude. Um, anything else going on with you, man? Not really. It's like I said, kind of taking a little bit of a step back, slowing things down a little bit, and just working, focusing on life in general. Right, still training, um, focusing on just health overall, and. And um, taking some time, still getting work done, but just kind of taking a little bit of a step back to get a little bit of a, of a better perspective is, is really it, man. I think that um, I think we might as well hop into some questions. Oh, all right. Do you have any? I have quite a few built up because I asked my Facebook group for some and like previously when we were going to do this, I asked for some as well. So I have quite a few if you don't have any. Cool. I've got um, four or five, but let's start with yours. We can hop into yours first. I got no issues with that. I can let's always just go back and forth. Cause we can for sure make this into two episodes and just kind of do a rapid fire Q and a. Okay. That sounds good. All right. First one I have, what is the best, best method of determining maintenance calories? Yeah. So when it comes to figuring out where your maintenance calories is going to be, like it's going to be a million calculators out there that you can use, right? And at the end of the day, any calculator that you use is just simply going to um, help you find an estimate of where your maintenance is roughly going to be. The only way that you're really going to be able to find your maintenance level is one, you can go use a calorie calculator to find out where it tells you that you should be. And then from there, what, you, what I would do is just start tracking at that food intake for roughly two to three weeks or so. And what you're going to do is as you're tracking your food intake, um, you're going to track your weigh-ins on a daily basis as well throughout that two to three week period. And throughout that time frame, if you're eating that amount of calories and you lose weight, you know that you're roughly in a small deficit. If you maintain weight throughout that two to three weeks while eating that amount of calories, you know that that's roughly around your maintenance level of calories. Or if you slowly gain weight during that time, then that tells you that you're going to be 
um, in a slight surplus of calories. And then from there, you can make adjustments. If you're eating in a, if you're losing weight in a small deficit, you know that you can eat a little bit more to reach your maintenance and re, re go through that process again to see if at that higher caloric intake, you're maintaining your weight um, and so forth. So that's how I always recommend doing it. It's really a, a heck of a lot simpler than most people want to make it out to be. They think finding out your caloric intake is so complicated when really it's not that complicated. Go find a calorie calculator. I'm sure Jeremiah's got one. I've got one as well. Um, help it use it to find out what it tells you. And then from there to start tracking and then get your data off the back end of that. It will tell you if your weight's going up or down or maintaining that will let you know if you're eating out of maintenance or if you need to increase or decrease calories to be where your current maintenance is at. I'd agree, dude. I'd say don't overthink it. That's what, like, when a new client starts with us, we'll always have a week where I'll stick the first week, I'll always say, like, hey, this is my best estimate of your maintenance. Or, like, this is my best estimate of where a deficit or a surplus is based on my estimate of your maintenance. But no matter what, like, this first week isn't going to be perfect. So what I would say is, again, honestly, I would just same thing. Using a, find a maintenance calculator online. Track for a week, see how that impacts your weight. Are you turning down slightly? You're turning up slightly. It'll tell you if you need to increase or decrease by typically, it'll probably be within 100 to 200 calories of what your true maintenance is. And that's your maintenance, right? Like it's not <clears throat> overly complex. I would say most people, like as a general rule of thumb, can maintain on around body weight times 14 to 16. Yeah. Um, that's like the, honestly, I would say if you don't want to look it up, that's the easiest way. I'd probably go in the middle body weight times 15. Like if you're less active, probably times 14 more active, probably times 16. And then just see how that impacts your weight for a week. Yeah, I agree. That's exactly what we do as well. We call it the the primer phase, which is usually somewhere around mm -hmm. two weeks when somebody starts to where, hey, like the goal here is just to determine where your maintenance level of calories is currently sitting. And then from there, we'll know where we need to decrease or increase to put you into a deficit or into a slight surplus. So it's really just a game of trial and error. Don't go into it expecting the amount of calories that you get from that calculator to be right on point. Just know that it's helping you create a, or it's an estimate that's helping you create the data needed to actually know how many calories you're burning per day and then from there once you have an understanding if your goal is to build or to cut or just to maintain you know where you're at and you can start to decrease or increase from there but as you said so many people overcomplicate it mm -hmm. and make it into like this this like trivial question that has a bunch of different answers and it's 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 hard to figure out when really it just takes a couple of weeks of being diligent with tracking and, and you'll figure it out pretty easily don't know for sure. For sure. All right. Next question. Sorry. I can't read my writing. Okay. Here it is. How do I keep my abs while eating above maintenance? Mm. <laughs> you can't necessarily. Yeah. I would say if your goal is building and building. Say that again. I would say if your goal is building. I'm, I'm so sorry you guys if you're, you're good building being above your maintenance i wouldn't be super fixated on keeping your abs I'm just, i've been having this conversation with a couple clients lately where it's like hey like especially if you just got through a fat loss phase where you're cutting right you, you have visible abs now and now the goal is to build like we have to understand that along with building some muscle tissue you are likely going to get a little bit a little bit a lot of times like we're a lot of times where people are most concerned about this is when we're going through these phases where um, like, Hey, I went through this initial phallus phase and it was kind of like this 
epic journey where like maybe lost like 20 to 30 pounds of body fat right and I think when it's like hey I saw my abs for the first time it's such a scary thought to lose that right because people think like like I'm gonna immediately I'm gonna immediately go back to this point where um I like gained back this 20 to 30 pounds and like my next fat loss phase is going to have to once again be like this crazy struggle. Whereas the reality is like in a building phase, we don't ever get that fluffy again, typically, right? Like if you had to go through this grind of a like long ass fat loss phase together the first time, really you're never more than like an eight to 12 week cut away from being super lean again. Um, so I think that's the most important thing to understand is like, but if in a building phase, you are trying so hard to hold on to your abs that you're like at this place where, okay, hunger is typically high. Um, you're not eating enough food. So your training performance isn't great. Your recovery isn't quite what it could be. You're not going to get much out of the building phase. And basically six months down the road from now, you're going to look exactly the same. Whereas if we go, okay, in a building phase, I'm going to get a little bit fluffier. I'm okay with that. But then when I go back, I can go through a quick fat loss phase. Then I'll have more muscle tissue. Um, I'll still look great, but my physique will actually have improved. Like, that's such a better perspective. I would really like, it's inevitable that if we're eating above, above our maintenance calories, we typically are going to gain a little bit more fat. Um, I mean, but past that I would make, I would say like to keep your abs as, to, as much as possible, like stay as lean as possible. It's a good idea to hit your macros on a consistent basis. I would make sure you're consistently tracking like, and also make sure that you're training in a manner that's actually conducive to, simulating muscle growth and it'll ensure that more of those calories are going to be shuttled towards building new muscle versus fat storage because i think a lot of times on the flip side people think like okay well i'm eating a slight surplus and i should be building and i've, I've had this i had i know i have a couple of clients as well where i've had this conversation a lot too where it's like hey your training is still a piece of this right so if it's like you're saving all your trainings you're like consistently missing training sessions um, we're like missing one to two training sessions a week or like we're in this place where it's like, Oh shit, it's the end of the week and I still have to eat at three training sessions. So I'm going to like cram multiple training sessions into the same day or something. Or like if you're neglecting your training, you're not training hard and it is more likely that that's going to be sort of body fat versus muscle tissue, right? Because you're not sending your body the signal that it needs to partition those calories to building new muscle. Um, I think that's a big part of it as well. That's overlooked because I think like when we talk about the idea of eating a surplus, helping you build muscle. It is easy sometimes to forget that like the training is an important piece of that as well. Yeah, I would agree 100%. What I would say is I work with, um, we work at Lost and Lifting, we work with a lot of ladies and a lot of what we're doing at this point with people is helping them understand that, listen, you just can't diet yourself to your best body composition. Right, like you, just, you can't keep yourself in a deficit and expect yourself to get leaner, have more definition on your frame, um, and look the way that you want to. And so, with a lot of the ladies that come in, we're pushing them to run building phases, and it doesn't go Same. forever, but we're pushing them to run eight, twelve, twenty-four week building phases just to get a little bit of a taste for what it's like on the other end of the spectrum to know what it's like to feel good again, as opposed to just always be in diet brain and diet fatigue, if that makes sense. And so what happens a lot of the time here is we always try to set them up with the right expectations. Like, listen, the goal now isn't to necessarily, as we start building, the goal isn't to look your best for the next 12 to 24 weeks, but the goal is to start feeling your best, right? And you have to be able to distinguish those two and you have to be able to commit 
to the goal of feeling your best and performing your best as opposed to looking your best. Because when you, you, when you commit to that for a decent amount of time, then you're setting yourself up to be able to look your best in the long term. And what ends up happening is we get six, seven, eight, nine weeks down the road, and maybe there is a little bit more fluff. Mm-hmm. Maybe your weight is up a little bit. Um, and you're not quite as lean or, or your clothes are fitting a little bit tighter. And at this point, what happens a lot of the time is people want to go backwards. They're like, oh, hey, like, I, I think I've gone far enough. Like, I'm eight or nine weeks into this. Um, I, can we go through like a cut just to get me back to where I was before? And then like we can start another build again. And they, always, they just get nervous because they've never had to go through it before. And they, they all, it's almost like they don't trust themselves to be able to get lean again in the future and so like they're trying to hover as close to that as possible but if you're always trying to stay as lean as possible you're never putting your your body in really that anabolic state to be able to build more lean muscle tissue over the long term to be able to get down the road far enough to where you're 24 weeks down the road of building to be able to cut and show off more lean muscle definition in eight to ten weeks there's not really going to be a whole lot of anything happening there in terms of body composition changes when it comes to building muscle for the most part so i would say it's about committing and understanding that when you're in a building phase it's more about feeling your best energy wise sleep wise stress wise as well as performing your best progressing your workouts getting stronger over time um, really dialing in on those higher calories enjoying some more food enjoying more social events social gatherings like just having a little bit more freedom in what you're doing and knowing that this is just a an investment into your long-term body composition and get out of the mindset of feeling like i need to keep my abs you can you, you obviously don't have to gain a bunch of weight and, and get fat by any means right. but just take Take your thought process off of feeling like I need to keep my abs while I'm in a building phase because all that's going to do is is slow down the progress that you could make during that building phase, in my opinion, instead of just allowing yourself to gain a little bit of weight, enjoy some of the flexibility and freedom that comes with that, and then go through a cut again in the future to show off what you're able to build through that phase. And just know that your worth isn't attached to your current body fat percentage at any given time, right? If you want to continue to improve your body composition over the long term, it's going to come down to having times where you have more body fat percent on your on your physique as opposed to other times. And just being okay with the journey and realizing that it's not all about being lean. People don't look at you and just automatically think, like gauge their worth of you on how lean that you are. But unfortunately, we can do that to ourselves. I have some some clients that I work with that we're working through this right now. They gauge their happiness and their self-worth off of what the number on the scale is coming back to them. And we're in the building phase. like They're really struggling mentally with it. Every single week, it's like a, a conversation again about, hey, like you're doing the right thing here. We don't need to go back into another cut. You've, you dieted for three years and lost your period. Like We've got to take some time to build. That's not going to happen in six or seven weeks. And unfortunately, you're going to have to get a little bit of weight to get back to that stage um, of, of overall health and homeostasis to be able to go through a fat loss phase again in the future and be able to receive the benefits from it so my opinion you have to like how do you keep your abs you don't you have to get out of the mindset of feeling like you need to keep your abs during that building phase so that you can actually make the building phase effective yeah i couldn't agree more man i think it's just about being able to see the long game and i like to map out for clients like hey next four to six months are building and then like as you said like here's what we're expecting we want to focus focus more on how you're feeling your prs from the gym getting stronger etc and then here's when this fat loss phase comes in and that's when you're really going to see all those come into fruition because you have to be patient we can't just keep expecting you to do what you've been doing for the last couple years which is trying to diet and improve your physique at the same time 
and like all of a sudden just because you're paying me expect a different result out of that right like it's going to take different actions and honestly it's going to take you being uncomfortable for Mm -hmm. a good period of time but as you said like truly no one else cares how lean you are like Chaz, I could give a shit less how lean you are right now, if you have abs or not. And like, I could say the same thing, like for me, like I was talking to one of my clients the other day about this as well. Like she was talking about, well, like I don't want to lose my leanness because I want to show up on it because she's a coach. I want to show up on Instagram, like be able to like look the part. And while I do think practicing what she preached is very important, like your even like in that case, your clients don't care. Like, I'm not posting, neither of us are posting shirtless pictures. I don't, I don't, I don't, like you post uh, reels and TikToks and whatnot, but you're not like shirtless dancing on them and whatnot. And everybody's like, oh, fuck yeah, Chaz is ripped. Like, <laughs> uh, especially for both of us where we primary, like it's. <sighs> I'm hardly even ripped anymore. Like most of the time I'm not, like there was a part, there was a timeline probably from 20 to 24-ish years old to where I, I, put pride in always being super lean, but anymore, I don't feel good when I'm super lean. I'd rather be just like a moderate body fat percentage, be able to train hard, be able to eat more food, have more flexibility and know if I ever want to get lean, I can, but not right. be lean just for the sake of being lean. Cause honestly, it's not worth it in my opinion. And I would say like, it's, it's cool to get, and of course I like love taking people through the process of like doing photo shoots and things yeah. like that. And like doing that for yourself is a very empowering thing. And like seeing yourself be able to follow through with that does build a lot of confidence. But again, like, Speaking of the coach, like neither of us, I, I remember hearing Jordan Syatt say a couple of years ago, like I didn't build my business on how my physique looked. I built my business on being a great coach. And that's always something that really resonated with me because I remember until that point, I was very much like, okay, I have to be shredded all the time. So I really like look the part. Um, and it's, that's like taking it to the coaching business side. I think like your business should be built on the results you help clients achieve, not like, Oh yeah. Um, Jeremiah or Chaz, they're like so shredded and that's the reason I want to work with them. Right. It's a very superficial and honestly, you're not going to get your clients as good results as if you're focused on like, Hey, like I am a good coach first and foremost. And that's like the foundation of this business. And if you're hiring a coach because of the way that they look and you think that they're going to help you look the same way that they do, like nine out of 10 times, you're going to be very disappointed in the coach that you hired. Hire a coach based off of one, their personality traits. Do they click well with you? Um, And two, like are the clients that they're helping in similar situations as to where you're at as well. Don't go hire a coach because of the way that they look, which unfortunately is what most influencers do. And then you go by their programs thinking that it's going to to train the way that they train and think it's going to make you look the way that they look like that's not how this whole thing works. Um, so make sure you're, make sure you're, you're hiring a coach because one, they're just a really good person. They come from a place of integrity. They help people that are in similar situations to you. They have a lot of case studies with people in similar situations to you. And, um, you guys just jive with one another. And that's what builds a great coaching relationship, not hiring somebody because they're jacked or shredded. And you think where they're at is where you're going to be if you follow their advice. I couldn't agree more with that too. Cool. All right. Next question I have, how long does it take for your metabolism to adapt to your deficit as it's new maintenance? It's a great question. As with everything, honestly, it, it, everybody is so different. I have people that I've worked with to where their metabolisms are extremely adaptive 
And within, it seems like a three to six week period, I'm always having to decrease calories during their deficit to um, keep them losing at a consistent rate of somewhere around like 0.5 to 1% of total body weight per week on average is usually the rate that we're shooting for. Um, so like I said, some people I'm having to continuously decrease calories very subtly. It doesn't take a lot of, uh, of a decrease to usually push things along if you've run into an adaptation at any point. But um, usually it's like a decrease of anywhere from 50 to 100 calories per week or decrease that we're having to do when their metabolism adapts to push things along once again. So again, I have people that I'm having to do that with maybe every like three to six weeks to keep them moving along because their metabolism is just very adaptive due to their genetics. I have other people that I can go for maybe like one to two months without really having to tinker with, with calories in any sort of a way. And as long as they're just consistent, they just consistently lose before their metabolism starts to adapt. And then honestly, I have people that I've been working with that I can go six months and just leave them at the same caloric deficit numbers, not really have to change anything at all. And they'll go from, I have one lady I worked with that went from, I believe, 230 pounds to 180 pounds over the course of like, a, it was roughly like six to, to seven months. And I believe the only adjustments that we had to make from that time was we took our calories from 2000 calories at the beginning to 1800 calories by the end. So we had to make two adjustments within six to seven months. And she was losing around 0.5% of total body weight per average on week, which I would classify her as um, just a very steady metabolism. Her metabolism isn't super adaptive. Like I know where her maintenance is at. I know where her deficit is at. I know where her surplus is at. I'm not really going to have to mess with it too much because we're not going to have to deal with too much adaptation throughout the process. So unfortunately, it depends. The only way that you know how adaptive your metabolism is, this is where most people go wrong, is building up a lot of consistency up front. I see a lot of people blaming their metabolism for being adaptive or being slow when really they're only being tracking their food maybe four times out of the week and they're eating out three or four times um, during the week as well. And so you don't really have a solid gauge on how many calories you're actually eating. But if you are six or seven days out of the week on point with your intake, you'll have a much better understanding as opposed to your calories fluctuating a lot and not being as consistent as you need to, to be able to um, understand how your metabolism is responding to the current caloric intake that you're at. Yeah. Yeah. 95%. 90 to 95% of metabolic adaptation is going to be reduction on exercise activity thermogenesis. Mm -hmm. So um, that's like when you're saying like adaptive versus like less adaptive, or I usually call them rigid metabolisms. Most of that comes through some people downregulate the amount of fidgeting and pacing, blinking that they do a lot more when they're dieting, others less so. So, for example, like similar to what you said, I think of one of my clients where like, from the start, we haven't adjusted her calories once. And she's gone from what, 316 to I believe she's at 276 currently. We haven't adjusted. adjusted. Only being like, started, she was only, God damn it. You're good. When we started, she was only taking like um, a thousand steps a day. We bumped that up to like 3,000, 4,000. She's still like, she's very, very busy. She has a lot of stress and things on her plate. But like, She's been able to consistently lose at that very consistently, like two to three pounds every single week um, because that stayed very steady. And again, like a lot of clients fall in that boat. Other people, as you said, you do have to adjust a lot more frequently because even if we are hitting a step goal, all these other subconscious things, again, like pacing, fidgeting, blinking, they're doing less of. And that's like fidgeting. We can't say like, hey, make sure you blink the same amount of times as you did yesterday, today, right? Like we can't necessarily regulate that. But that is something that varies so much by, for, by person that it does also depend quite a bit. Yeah. 
I agree 100%. I don't really have anything else to add to it. Cool. My turn? Yes, sir. The best workout split to grow your legs. <laughs> uh, this is, again, going to depend quite a bit on how experienced you are. I would say that most people in a beginner to intermediate place, I mean, really what I would say is I would look at volume allocation and then look at what you can realistically adhere to. So we know that for most people, it's going to be about 10 to 20 hard sets per muscle group. And I would say realistically, probably more like eight to 14 hard sets per muscle group per week. I would say most people that aren't like into the more advanced realm, which I would say most listeners of this audience probably fall in the realm where they can progress within what I'm talking about here. I think I said most listeners of this audience, but most listeners of this podcast, um, so within that, basically then I would just look at like, how's it easiest for you to split up over the week, right? Like you could very easily fit that into a three day a week full body split, or you could very easily split that up into a four day per week upper lower split. Or like if you're training a little bit more on the advanced side, like some of our clients, if you want to specialize in lower body, we're probably going to do an upper or a lower, upper, lower, upper, lower split. So we're going to train that three days per week. We can push a little bit more volume towards the lower body but i would really say like if we're going to generalize this you could do it with a three-day week full body split or a four-day a week upper lower split and again like making sure that you're getting somewhere between again i would say eight to 14 hard sets for and it also depends on like which muscle groups of the lower body you want to bias but if it's like hey i just want balance okay then eight to 14 hard sets for glutes hamstrings and there's going to be some carryover there between the two and quads uh, i would say but past that i would also say like again there's not gonna be a magic split i would really also say like if you're struggling to build your lower body it's probably more a matter of the execution of your movements in your lower body training than it is like hey i need to add more volume or i'm missing the perfect split time like i would really say the only time like the split you're following would be the issue would be if maybe you're only training your lower body once per week and there it's like a case of okay i'm smashing my lower body with a ton of volume but after like these first eight to eight weeks it very realistically gets to the point where it's junk volume right like i'm past the amount of volume my body can recover from per session so thus like the rest of this isn't really going to help me grow further and i would be better off adding that to a second training day and splitting this up into two training days versus one or on the flip side, you're just not able to do enough in that single session. I would agree 100%. There's not going to be like a magic split out there that's going to allow you to grow your legs more than another. There's some that can be biased. Just like Jeremiah said, if you're going to do a, a three-day-per-week split, full body would be good. Or if, um, if you're really not focused on your upper body at all and you just want to maintain it, you could go lower, upper, lower if you wanted to. Um, and then four-day-per-week, I would go again, probably just a lower upper split, or you could look at like a lower upper lower than a full body at the end to get a little bit more leg volume. in if you wanted to, and then if you went five days a week, just as he said, lower upper, lower upper lower. But if you're really struggling to build your legs, another thing that I would add there is looking at your intensity in your sets. I think especially for ladies, what a lot, what happens a lot of the time that stunts growth from happening and, and progress is too much volume and not enough intensity. And I've kind of adapted this mindset over the last while because it's, it, I, as I've learned more and more about hypertrophy 
<clears throat> and just a lot with clients and looking through client videos and seeing how people are training, the biggest thing that I see happening is just a, a miss, just not gauging your intensity, right? Like if you're programming RP eight, it's meaning you're trying to leave two reps left in the tank. A lot of times what I'm seeing is people leaving six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 reps in the tank and not really gauging their intensity that great. Um, and so what they think they have to do is continue to add more and more volume over time, which just leads to more and more junk volume over time. So as Jeremiah said, really, I would say the vast majority of people out there, except for like higher level natural bodybuilders can probably get away with eight to 14 sets, hard sets per muscle group um, with leaving anywhere from zero, one to two, maybe up to three reps left in the tank. If you're truly training that hard, that's all the sets you're going to need per muscle group in most cases to be able to continue to progress and build muscle. There, there will be the outliers that need a little bit more, but for the vast majority, um, I would look at your intensity and making sure that you're training hard enough truly close enough to failure before you start worrying about switching your, your split or adding more sets per week or anything like that. Absolutely, dude. And I know that's a big part of part of deals with our clients is otherwise it, it like, we'll I'll see all the time. Um, and I think I talked about before, like I think most dudes tend to try to like go too heavy and anecdotally most women, it's like, Hey, you're leaving quite a bit, quite a I'll often like, hey, I literally want you to add 10 pounds to this lift next week or 20 pounds to this lift next week because I know you can handle it and you can take this a lot closer to failure. Um, we can push this a lot further. So I think that's that's a great point. That's often the missing piece. I would agree 100%. Let's move on. Cool. Um, is it me now? Yeah. All right. I have been struggling a lot and less of patience in fixing my loose tummy. It has fat. 9kg. Well, what do you got for us? That's a common struggle. I get that question. I feel like in every single one of my Q and A's that I put on IG, something that's, that's super common to that. So, I mean, if you're struggling a lot, first and foremost, look at what are, what are you doing to fix the problem and what are your expectations of how fast you're going to fix the problem or whether, what are they going to be? Right. Usually if you're talking about tummy fat, like if, if you're focused on things like ab belts or detoxes or fat diets as in a keto diet or something like that, and just looking for a quick fix that you can see marketed all of the time online, unfortunately, you're going to end up duped and just be out a little bit of money without really making any progress towards where you're trying to go um, and waste, waste your time plus waste your money at the same time. At, at the end of the day, it sounds cliche and I hate saying it at this point because it's all that anybody says, but literally you have to put yourself into a calorie deficit. You have to get an understanding of your nutrition. I have free guides on this sort of stuff that will help you get a, a good understanding of how to set up your calories, what types of foods you should be eating, what you should be paying attention to. I know Jeremiah has a lot of blogs that are extremely, extremely in-depth that will probably give you even more information than, than the stuff that I give you. So I would start by education. You have to educate yourself first and foremost on what's actually going to allow you to be able to lose, lose fat in general. And again, you're not going to be able to start losing fat and go in and directly carb target tummy fat. You're going to be able to go in, you're going to be able to put yourself into a calorie deficit and your body's genetics are going to de 
predetermine where you lose fat from first, where you lose fat from last, and you're just kind of along for the ride. But you can control everything that you can control. But that starts with building a solid foundation in terms of your knowledge so that you set up your expectations correctly and you set up your strategy correctly to be able to go out and attack the goals that you have for yourself. But asking the question, how do I lose stomach fat? Like, Not to be rude, but that's the wrong question to be asking from the get, in my opinion. You should be asking, okay, how does fat loss work in the first place? What can I control and what can I not control? And then from there, go out and control the variables that you can, get yourself consistent. And then from there, on the back end, you'll start creating the result that you want. That's kind of my broad spectrum overview type answer to a, a question like that. I think that's a very good answer. I would say, again, similar to what she said, is what you're doing working? Yes or no? Are you making progress? I think a lot of people stay in this place where like, okay, I've been doing it similar to what we talked about with building. Like I've been doing the same thing over and over for years and like, okay, if the shit you're doing isn't working, you can't expect it to suddenly yield a different result. So like, I think first and foremost, like if you've been stuck, as you said, if you've been stuck in all these like fad diets, detoxes, et cetera, and like hoping that's working and that hasn't been working first, you need to look at your approach. Right. And is this really like, am I really doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result from it? Right. And I would say like in this case as well, like hire a coach, right? Like if you're not seeing objective progress, you don't know what to do. It's, it is always amazing to me, the amount of like pain people will stay stuck in. Like they're in this place where like, I feel so uncomfortable with my body. Um, I don't like the way I look. I can't fit in on like all my clothes anymore. Um, I like don't want to have sex with my husband anymore, but also like not willing to do anything different. I think like that's something important to also like, this sounds kind of harsh, but like, are you willing to actually change? Right. Because I think it's also easy to like, look at like, well, I have bad genetics or it's my metabolism or my hormones. And that's what's keeping me stuck. And like, kind of what was me when the reality is everyone listening has the power to change if they're willing to invest in that and also willing to like, do the hard work to get there. Again, like I know that sounds kind of harsh, but I think it's important to hear because a lot of times people will stay stuck in this place where like, I hate how I look, I hate how I feel, but also don't really do anything different than what they've been doing for years in order to change that. I agree 100%, man. I couldn't, I couldn't agree with, any, with that anymore. I have that conversation with people a lot just in terms of they want to see these changes take place, but they're not truly in a position to where they're, ready to put in the work that's required to initiate those changes in the first place. And so you just stay in this on this hamster wheel of wanting change, wanting change, but never getting to a point to where you, you truly need it. You just want it, which keeps you in that circle forever because you're always talking about achieving it, talking about wanting it, but never getting to a place to where you're ready to put your feet in the fire and put the work in that's necessary that comes with all the inconvenience. That's a part of that with tracking your meals, with planning your food ahead of time, with, with maybe not indulging as much as you were able to indulge in the past and and be able to stay on track over the long term until you're ready to make that commitment to yourself. Nothing's going to work. I agree, dude. Cool. Let's grab one more and then let's call this one a wrap. Yeah. I've got about 30 minutes before I've got another meeting. So so let's, let's call this now and then we'll run another short Q and a rapid fire. Is that cool? Dope. All right. team. We will talk to you guys soon. Cool.